Welcome back to Nate v. Hate, where I am once again joined by everyone's Australian mate, MVG. What's going on, Nate? It's uh, been an interesting day. It has been an interesting day, and it is a day where we finally have answers to all the questions surrounding the PlayStation 5, except for, you know, price point and release date, but we finally have some official specs, and it came in the most obscure and, I guess you would say, educational manner that Sony could have ever factored in. I mean, instead of doing a consumer type of event, they did a GDC style presentation where Mark Cerny lectured us on the specs of the PlayStation 5. And that's where we'll start today's conversation. <laughs> what was your what were your thoughts on the PlayStation 5 architectural lecture given earlier today? <laughs> well, this was a GDC um, uh, you know, style conference. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this was something that was scheduled for GDC, I believe, as part of GDC week. And obviously, with the situation around the world, that was something that got obviously cancelled. So Sony did decide that they would bring out their uh, their talk that they were supposed to have at GDC with regards to the future of video games, the PlayStation 5. So... I went into it knowing that it was going to be a very technical discussion. I actually did a live stream of it today with uh, with you know with with folks that that uh, like my channel, and I did give them a heads up that there's probably not going to be anything about the console as far as the design, probably nothing as far as games, definitely no price point, and definitely no release date. This is really going to be a a deep dive into the technical architecture of the system. We'll learn more about its performance, the CPU, the GPU, the SSDs, how things work. And we got that. You know, we, we definitely got that from Cerny. He was very meticulous, as he usually is with these things, and walked us through the SSD ability, which, you know, quite honestly, was, was very, very impressive. Probably the most impressive part of the PlayStation 5 at this point and then discuss the GPU architecture, which was a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think it was where it needs to be, uh, at least on paper. Um, you know, I mean, obviously time will tell when we start to see some games, but at least on paper right now, the GPU seemed a little lacking, at least compared to the Series X. The CPU, which was, you know, roughly around the same as the Series X, you know, maybe a, a, a slightly lower clock uh clock speed there and the 3d audio discussion at the end with the uh the, with the tempest 3d stuff which that sounded pretty pretty good pretty interesting on paper again but it also and Nate, i want to i want to turn this over to you but the tempest 3d stuff while it sounded really interesting also felt like they were still very much in the um, I don't want to say R&D phase because I think we're well and truly past that. Hopefully we are, but more about the, we're not sure what the final iteration of this is going to be when we go to retail. And that really kind of raised some, not not red flags, but some, some concerns with me because it just feels like that Sony well and truly needs to be, you know, getting the final prototypes for retail ready to rock and roll. I mean, we, we need to be thinking about what this is what this is going to launch at as far as price and when it's going to launch so it makes me wonder you know where sony really is truly 
with the with the next gen hardware. What what do you think about that? Yeah, it was an interesting piece where they started talking about the three D audio and wanting to render our ear canals. And <laughs> that's like it's it's something it's an awesome feature on paper, but it still sounded like they were kind of still tinkering with it. They're still engineering the actual feature set for it. And typically by now the silicon and at least launch features are finalized because you're gearing up towards manufacturing at this point. And you can still tinker with some of the software and such. You know, you always release a firmware update typically day one, especially with new hardware. So that's nothing unusual. I mean, the Wii U had a day one firmware update that added online, Miiverse, and tons of basic features that you would have expected right out of the box. So it does feel like Sony is, I want to say necessarily behind, but I think Microsoft caught Sony a little bit off guard with how prepared Microsoft is at this stage. I mean, most definitely. Yeah. Last year we saw Sony at this point last year, Sony was coming out, they were doing the interviews with Wired. They were talking about ray tracing and all these other features that the PlayStation 5 was going to have, but they still weren't really talking specifics about the specs or willing to show the hardware itself. And even as of October of last year, everyone was saying, what is Microsoft doing? Microsoft has been silent. We had that brief teaser type thing they had at E3 where they showed Halo Infinite, but otherwise they really didn't make any mention of Anaconda at the time. And then all of a sudden we're in mid to late November of 2019 and rumors hit that no developers have a Anaconda development kit and Phil Spencer immediately goes to Twitter and says, well, I have a development kit. And a few weeks later, we're at the Game Awards and there's Microsoft with Xbox Series X and they show us Hellblade 2. They show us the system itself. They show us the controller. They reveal some specs at the time. And since December, Microsoft, every month, it feels like they're dropping new information. And we know basically everything spec-wise about the Series X prior to today, and Microsoft just unloaded new information yesterday where they let Digital Foundry and other outlets get actual hands-on with the system itself, and they tested the backwards compatibility, the software suspend feature where they suspended, I think it was up to, what, five Xbox One and Xbox 360 games at you know at a time, and they went right back into the software, and it booted up most times. I believe it was around six seconds, mm-hmm. and... We finally got the information from Sony today. And as you said, I mean, Sony came out and said, oh, we have the faster SSD. Great. You have a comparable CPU with both using the Zen 2 cores. Though Series X comes in at 3.8 gigahertz. Sony's coming at 3.5 gigahertz, but that's a variable frequency. And then the GPU, Microsoft's been you know, shouting and showboating that 12 teraflop figure. And Sony comes out today and says, we're at 10.28 teraflops, but that's also at a variable frequency, which means the 10.28 is its maximum performance as Sony detailed a boost mode. Yeah. So that means in reality, the GPU of the PS5 is the 9.2 teraflop figure that we actually saw leak earlier in the year. And, you know, to some that might be concerning because, you know, it sounds sounds fairly significant 12 to 9 but people shouldn't focus on the teraflop figure alone there's a lot more factors and variables that go into 
you know, software development and game performance. And then like the RAM, they're both 16 gigabyte GDDR6. Though Sony is unified, Microsoft has a little different bit of a setup there. But the big difference aside from the SSD is the IO throughput where Microsoft is actually lagging well behind Sony in this department because the Series X is coming in at 2.4 gigabytes a second raw or 4.8 gigabytes a second compressed and the PS5 is coming in at 5.5 gigabytes a second raw or 8 to 9 gigabytes compressed. And maybe you can detail to the people exactly what IO throughput is and how that's going to affect what we're seeing on a screen. Well, it's really just about, you know, the 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 things like loading speeds will be significantly reduced. I mean, Sony kept kind of talking about, you know, almost instantaneous loading. And I think with those numbers, that's definitely achievable. And and then Sony was also discussing, you know, a a scene in a game where when the player is turning around in a 3D world, is pulling in textures real time off of the SSD. I mean, with, with that amount of throughput, that is something that's achievable and significant. And that really if done correctly and if developers embrace embrace those things could really change the way we think about video games because all of a sudden you don't have to pause to to pull in new textures or or um or do you know things that you would normally do in a traditional sense it means that and i'm thinking a little bit ahead but you know we, we, we've heard stories about how video games are going to change how how the the scenes will be more dynamic you know in a, in a in a 3D world where things will will change and one good example is you know death stranding when you uh when you encounter one of the the enemies you know the world kind of changes into that black tar type of thing um you know expect to see those types of things where you know literally textures are just being streamed in and there's there's no juddering, there's no stuttering, there's no loading. Well, I mean, there's loading, but you just don't see it. And I think, you know, the Sony PS5 is really geared up for for that type of experience, which is actually really impressive if, if those numbers are actually true. And I'm not saying they're not, but, you know, they could be maximum limits, of course. And, you know, what what, what does the real world tell us when, when we start to see games? But I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the, the IO stuff, the, the SSD stuff. I think that's definitely... Um, a lot of the focus of the PS3 and Sony is very proud of that. And that really goes back to Sony's presentation where he literally spent 20 minutes discussing it. Some people on my live stream felt like he went on a little too long and I probably agree with that, but I do think it's a very important feature of the PlayStation 5 and one that, you know, um, we should not discount as well. I'd rather have more teraflops, you know, than, than throughput. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't really know the answer to that. I mean, again, it goes back to what we're going to see with 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 you know next gen games, and if they pull this off, this may be the new normal um, for uh, for video games. But with that said, the Series X is no slouch either. I mean, we saw some some demos uh, where they were, like you said, they were kind of flicking between games. Um, we saw some loading speed comparisons that were going on, and I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with the Series X in in this regard. They obviously have spent a lot of time you know, beefing up their uh, IO throughput as well. So it really just go, comes down to what we're going to see developers make as far as video games. And 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 again, you know, with games being cross-platform, is there going to be that lowest common denominator now where they're not going to necessarily optimize for the PS5, 
they're just going to say, well, the Series X is is the lowest common denominator, so we're just going to you know work off off of that of that model, and we, we're not going to see any significant improvement on the PS5 side. So, a lot to really think about there. But um, you know, PS5 for me on on the throughput stuff is is far and away the you know the winner there, and I'm interested to see, and I'm very excited to see what what they what you know what they make of that with with games that come out for it. Yeah, when I was looking at the specs today, it kind of gave me flashbacks to the early 2000s where we would always have the specs to compare, like the PS2 to the Xbox or the GameCube. Yep. And Sony and Microsoft would give you those theoretical maximums of polygons per second. And I remember (laughs) the PlayStation 2 at the time, they said we could do 60 million polygons a second. The Xbox came out, we're doing 120 million polygons a second. And then you had Nintendo came out, and Nintendo gave you real-world performance figures. And they're like, the GameCube can do 6 to 12 million polygons a second. But if you didn't know like what real-world performance was, you're looking at the GameCube, you're like, oh my god, it can't compete to the PS2. But as right. we know, you know, looking in hindsight, the GameCube outperformed the PlayStation 2 in many ways. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at the spec sheet today with you know the variable frequencies and raw uncompressed for the io throughput it reminded me of those days a little bit of we're getting these figures but we're not necessarily going to get this performance out of them be due to you know real world actuality of games so it gave me some of those quick thoughts i was like oh boy we're kind of back at those days we're going to get all these fancy numbers where they're going to you know high mark them and in reality probably not going to achieve that ceiling yeah but like as you touched on for the SSD, it's a big deal for Microsoft and Sony. And the other day we saw Microsoft detail their solution for expandable storage with games where they're going with basically a memory stick, we'll put it. Mm-hmm. And Sony is going to allow you to, you know, just go off and get an off-shelf NVMe drive and pop it into the PlayStation 5, but they have said it has to be certified. Yeah. And right now, this doesn't even, it's not even existent. It's not something I can go out right now and buy at a store and stockpile in hopes of using on my PlayStation 5. But at least we know the solution that both are going for expandable storage. And even though they're going with a different approach, one thing they'll have in common is it's going to be expensive. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, for me, Microsoft and Sony have been very, very set in their ways with 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 storage because typically Microsoft have always had I'll say customized um, expandability solutions. Like if you think about the Xbox 360, you know that drive that you would stick on the top of the system that had a hard drive installed, and then you could expand it with with bigger hard drives. And then the Xbox One. I mean, there's there's other than you know USB, there's no easy way to to put in a install a bigger drive into the, the xbox one but the ps the ps3 the ps4 it, uh, both both of those systems you can just take out the the drives on those and just put in bigger drives sony's always been more um open i i guess is the word as far as expandability so not a big surprise for me that they just 
you know, made NVMe SSD available as expandable storage. And honestly, even though the drives don't exist right now, I do think for me, it's it's probably the right play that they did that. Um, but they will be expensive, no doubt. And Microsoft, Microsoft will have a one terabyte expansion card. It's going to be expensive as well. I have no idea what the cost will be. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that by the time these systems do come out at, at the end of this year, which you know, um, we may uh, ask the question towards the end of this episode whether that's actually going to happen. But, you know, um, will the cost of those drives start to, to decrease as far as, you know, SSD or NVMe storage, you know, in general, whether, you know, that price will be lower. But, I mean, interesting solutions on both systems. I, for this one, Nate, I don't know if you agree, but I favor Sony's solution, even though, those drives don't exist yet. I think it's more of a future-proofing over the Xbox solution where I think it's going to, going to annoy people about the cost of a one-terabyte expansion card. Yeah, the proprietary nature of the Microsoft memory card, it definitely has me concerned because it's bringing back flashbacks of the PlayStation Vita yeah. where Sony completely botched the pricing of that. And... I'm hopeful that Microsoft knows that they have to be competitively priced on this, especially since they're not giving us an alternative solution to store games because the expandable hard drives is just for backwards compatibility and backup saves. So it's definitely a concern. I mean, it's also a concern with, you know, Sony and the certified drives because if these drives come out and they're costing, you know, three, let's say $300 and let's say Microsoft's coming in at 350 for one of the memory sticks, you know, that's a lot of money. We're looking at maybe 60 to 75% of the cost of the system itself. And a conversation a lot of people had had this generation in regards to Nintendo Switch was the price of micro SD cards. And it's still a conversation that goes on today. People say, hey, they only gave us 32 gigabytes of storage. We have to buy a micro SD card. And some of these are pricey. I mean, a one terabyte one right now, I think costs about 250 to $300, which, I mean, that is expensive. You don't need a one terabyte micro SD card for a Nintendo Switch game storage, but it's just the idea that it's not, it's not easily accessible. Like right now I can just go out and buy any hard drive, plug it into my PS4 or Xbox One, and I get all that access. I have a two terabyte external hard drive on my xbox one right now and was simple as just plugging into the usb and i mean i understand why this is happening this is the really only solution there is for them i probably would favor sony in this because i think those drives are going to come down in price significantly faster than what microsoft is going to do with their proprietary tech because accessories are an avenue to make more money yeah. they're always going to charge you a premium so even if it costs Microsoft $50, they're still going to want to sell it for $150 because they want that $100 revenue. Yeah. So And they can't sell these things at a loss. You know, like you could sell a console right. at, at, at break-even or a loss because you get your money back. But external storage like this, there's no way that they can sell this at a loss because, I mean, anyone could just buy 100 of these drives and, and make money off of them. So it, it doesn't make any sense. So they really have to make a profit on every single drive sale, which means these things will not be cheap. Right, and that's that's going to be an obstacle for both console manufacturers going into this generation. So 
really neither one has an advantage a distinct advantage over the other they both have to do something to address this and in a way microsoft almost has a solution that i just came to mind microsoft has xcloud mm -hmm. so you can stream a lot of these games so maybe if you don't like we don't know everything of how microsoft is going to use these features Microsoft could have it where I don't have space on my hard drive. Could I just store a portion of it and stream the rest from xCloud via Game Pass? Whereas Sony doesn't really have, they have their own streaming cloud solution, but it's nowhere near the level that we've seen from Microsoft. Like Microsoft has been cultivating these fruits for years. Yeah. And now they are they're blossoming and we're finally harvesting them. And Sony is still kind of at that. They're planting the seeds towards this future that Microsoft has already arrived to. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft is is well and truly ahead of the game here. And you, like you said, I mean, xCloud could very well just integrate into the Series X very easily in that hey, try, try this game out on Series X or if you don't have enough hard drive space, no worries. Just play it on uh, on xCloud, you know. Um, it's, it's right here for you to play. No, no problem. And uh, your, your save file will carry over um, if you decide to install the game on, on your hard drive, if you've got enough space to, to do so. I mean, I, I think the, the opportunities and the, the options here are, are endless. There's different many different scenarios that Microsoft could go with in order to make the uh, the xCloud kind of experience to seamlessly integrate into the Series X just in the same way back in the 360 days where they integrated Xbox Live into the 360. When you turn the system on, Xbox Live was already up and running. It wasn't wasn't really anything you had to mess with. It was just there. And and I think, you know, they they can do very similar things with um, with xCloud on the, on the Series X. Absolutely. And that's definitely something to be potentially excited for. It's something I want to see Microsoft detail in the future and see how they really are going to fully integrate xCloud into the Series X because they have expressed their ambitions to do so. Now, I want to jump to the GPU performance uh, yes. of the Series X and the PlayStation 5. This is where it gets and, interesting. Now, not necessarily <laughs> the raw figures of 12 versus 10 or the potential even lower with the nine teraflop figure for the PlayStation five. But what do you think from, you know, kind of a development background, what are your thoughts on the variable clock speeds versus the static clock speeds of the series X? Cause Sony, you know, Sony has that variable frequency for the GPU and Microsoft's just locked in. It's 12 teraflops. It is performing at 1.8 gigahertz and you know, Sony's theoretical maximum is 2.23 gigahertz for a 10.28 teraflops performance. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the static versus variable? Well, I mean, let's kind of keep this really simple and say, if you've got variable clock speeds on, on both your GPU and CPU, it's because you're trying to, you know, uh, regulate your power consumption. Like if you're if you're playing an indie game that's a 2d side scroller that doesn't need maximum gpu and cpu clocks running then sure i mean a variable frequency is exactly what you want you want to you know you want to drop those clocks down to an appropriate speed for a lock 60 frames per second so i, I totally get that but i also question 
why um why, why it's it's important that they do have a variable frequency why, why they just don't you know max out the the gpu and the cpu like in the same way microsoft was very quick to to mention in their presentation mm-hmm. and i think what it comes down to nate is that it really just is something that sony is very concerned about you know the power drawer on this stuff and maybe it goes back to the fans and 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 things like that that the amount of noise now microsoft were again they, they were very confident in the in their presentation where they said this is things going to be whisper quiet we've we've engineered this thing to perfection and that's a very impressive thing to say and i'm very much looking forward to hearing or not hearing the noise that comes out of the series x especially when this <laughs> When, when essentially everything's just going to be running max at, at, at full speed all the time. But I think the thing that was interesting to me with Sony today was, my, I don't and I don't know if you caught this, but Sony was talking about these kind of maximum theoretical limits of like 2.23 gigahertz. But he also said something along, along the lines of, and, and forgive me because maybe I'm, I'm not saying it exactly the same way, but he said something along the lines of, Right now, our developers are about 10% less than that. And I was thinking to myself, what does that mean? Why? Why wouldn't you be targeting the, act, the, you know, the maximum GPU frequency that is available to you? And it just kind of poses more questions as to why Sony is, is going down this path with, with the GPU stuff. And I guess to answer your question, I'm not really sure you know, what, what the, the overarching reasoning behind that would be other than to say that i think sony may be more concerned about um you know power consumption power draw uh fan speeds and 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 noise and and heat Mm -hmm. uh so maybe it goes back to the you know the motherboard design and and maybe trying to regulate um you know heat better and look those dev kits you know the, the buck rogers kits we kept hearing how they had an insane amount of heat coming out of them. Look, we can't really compare dev kits to retail, but it's really something that we only have to go on because we don't have anything else to compare it to at the moment on the Sony camp. So maybe it's really just more of a case of, look, we're, we're trying to make sure that these things don't, you know, don't overheat or uh, or get too hot. And, and maybe that's that's the key that thing they're trying to do. What do, what do you think? It's It's interesting... Because if I was a developer, I would say, you know, Microsoft laid it out. It's static. I don't have to make a decision about the CPU or the GPU clocks. It's just Microsoft has given me one. That's what I can work with. And Sony's kind of introduced, you know, a multiple choice question yeah. to me now where I, like, now I, I actually have options available to me where I can take advantage of the CPU maybe in a certain area. And then later on in the game, I might want to push a little more of the GPU out so I can, you know, kind of pick and choose of what I need at a given time. Whereas Microsoft is just, here's everything, do with it as you please. I think it does come back to energy efficiency because we did see Cerny talk about it today of this really isn't going to be that significant of a power draw, Mm. especially like we've seen the companies go for more efficient designs over the last couple of generations, especially because it's an important thing in like in Japan, they have certain like protocol and they want machines to come in below a certain like wattage. And we saw even, I think it was late last year, you had Microsoft and Sony 
sign on saying they're going to reduce like their carbon footprint and they're going for more green designs and such. Yeah. And it seems like the PlayStation 5 is definitely going in that direction with this type of decision. But I still wonder exactly how a what a developer feels like that about the static or in this case the variable frequencies of the CPU and GPU. So yeah. I'd like to see some interviews be conducted with them to see their honest opinions on it. Cause I mean, Sony's going to come out and make it say, Oh, it's great. Everyone loves it. But there's probably a third party developer who's sitting there saying this complicates my port a slight bit because if we're using everything that Microsoft is giving us, we might have to find an area to compromise bringing it to the PlayStation five. Whereas if it was just a static locked frequency, it would still probably have some sort of compromise there, but wouldn't be as much decision-making to be had. Like this kind of reminds me a little bit of how we have like the switch. We have docked and undocked mode. Mm -hmm. There are different frequencies for CPU, I believe, correct? The GPU is always at its max. Uh, it's the other way around. The the CPU is is the locked. Um, actually, no, okay. no, you're right, Nate. I'm no. sorry. The CPU is is variable. The the GPU is is locked. Yes. Okay. So it's it's similar to that actually. So it's yeah. kind of the Switch and the PS5 have something in common. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think we're we're on the same. We're thinking the same things. I mean, I'm comparing this to you know my, my biggest concern with well, I have some concerns about the Series X, but the one that that I always kind of come back to is how many different you know, environments does um, Xbox have to support now where they have an ecosystem of different systems. We know the VCR is is still going to stick around at least for a little while longer after the Series X is out. The One X isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, the the One S will, will be around as well, you know, probably for a year, a year and a half, maybe 18 months, maybe two years. But I guess at launch, you know, they have to support four systems. I mean, I don't think uh, um, Lockhart is something that's going to happen at least this year. So let's take that off the table. But now all of a sudden, you know, you've got a defined, you know, roadmap or, or, um, or uh, you know, requirements as to, okay, you need to target this, this processor that has 1.825 gigahertz at 12 teraflops and 52 CUs, it's fixed at that that performance. You're targeting this CPU as well. It's fixed at that performance. There's no there's no you know um, variable uh, you know stuff that that kind of throws developers off off their game and and wonder exactly what is the target you know pr- um, performance they need to start thinking about to make games run you know all across you know their, their different systems. And I think with that variable frequency on the on the um, PS5, you know, they still have to support PS4 Pro and PS4 games, at least in the short term. Again, now all of a sudden developers are probably thinking, well, what do I, what am I supposed to target for here? You know, like, what, mm-hmm. what do I do? And I'm sure Sony has best practices documentation on what they should be doing, but it also just throws in additional questions that really should never be asked in the first place. It's like, what what is the target that I'm supposed to be working with now? And the answer is, well, it's variable. And I mean, to a developer, that's like, well, what am I supposed to do with, with that information? So I think I think you're right. I think a variable frequency is is. I mean, I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing. I, I do think it right. is, at the end of the day, it is for a um, 
it is for our power consumption or power reduction i should say and energy you know efficiency which you know i respect uh, sony for doing that but i also think it, it just opens up more questions that really don't need to be asked and i think at the end of the day sony uh sorry uh microsoft has a put a stake in the ground and said look this is this is what we're targeting developers have at it this is this is the high end that that you need to target your games for and and this is not going to change and i think that's definitely a bold statement and one that's definitely the right right choice when you're when you're talking about a next generation you know high-end console I don't think the word variable really needs to be mentioned in anywhere in, in any spec sheet. It has to be, this is this is what we what we're doing with our hardware. And I do think Sony really needs to, uh, um, you know, the, the strategy there on that one was probably not 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 the right move. I think they really need to just come up with a a fixed you know um, performance as far as CPU and GPU. So based on everything we know today, I've been. I guess you would call me an advocate for Microsoft over the last three or four months. Because whenever we talked about the Series X, I've kind of been that guy on the Spawncast saying, don't dismiss Microsoft yet. You have. You have. That, that's absolutely correct. And people who listen call me an Xbox fanboy. Others say it's out of his mind. Sony's <laughs> going to come out and you know destroy it. And I mean, after today, I mean, not to you know toot my own horn, I think after today, I if I'm Microsoft, I'm feeling really good about myself. Absolutely, Microsoft has, like you said, Nate, from from pretty much the Game Awards, or even before that, the 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 Phil Spencer tweet with the Hey, I'm I've got the I've got a dev kit at home. What are you guys talking about? But really, it started with the Game <laughs> Awards, right? From from that moment till today, they have controlled the narrative. They have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have completely overshadowed Sony that have been very, very quiet. And, you know, my hope was that, you know, their silence was, you know, a, a confident silence that they would come back and really just kind of blow our socks off. And honestly, um, it wasn't even a fair fight, you know. Uh, it was a, a, a full reveal where, like you said, they literally took the system apart and and walked Digital Foundry through every piece of, of the architecture and the hardware and then made them put it all back together again, put it back in the box to a GDC-style conference that, I mean, Sony doesn't, didn't even stand a chance. Now, it doesn't really matter whether it was targeted for GDC people or if it was for the public. At the end of the day, it was, you know, tweeted about and a lot of people saw this. I think over 600,000, you know, people watched the Sony thing today and it wasn't, a, it wasn't even a fair fight, you know. It, it was just, it was like a, a, you know, a featherweight against a heavyweight ultimately and it really, it really showed to me that although Sony has some great ideas and I, and I do think the system is going to be a great system when it comes out, especially with you know their their games lineup that they have but apart from that from a hardware from a technical standpoint there's no comparison i mean the the series x just kills it on paper it's technically the more impressive next gen console and you know if microsoft stick to uh stick to the plan they are going to come out this next gen all guns blazing and they're going to sell a lot of series x systems and I, if I was Sony, I'd be a little bit worried right now. I'd be, I'd be wondering what, 
we need to do to to get get things back on on track you know and you know for me i would say it's time to stop you know messing around with theoretical um you know powerpoint slide decks and and diagrams and stuff and we need to see something you know we need to see some real hardware we need to see a controller we need to see some demos that Sony was talking about he kept saying you know the developers in-house they love this feature and they love that feature that's great mark but let's see something you know show show us yeah. something you know microsoft showed us the ray tracing of minecraft the ray tracing stuff which i thought was was impressive but i didn't really think it was like that impressive and i kind of felt like it left the door open for sony to maybe show a, a gran turismo um sport with ray tracing or um you know one of their last gen or the current gen games with ray tracing enabled and i felt like that would have more of an impact on the public and at least myself from from a demonstration standpoint because you know it's more impressive graphically the minecraft demo was was cool i liked it i definitely really appreciate the uh the stuff that they did there but sony didn't really well they didn't do anything and and other than just kind of talking about their ray tracing you know um feature which i'm sure is 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 excellent but we still don't know what that looks like and i think sony really is they really need to um, to you know go back to the drawing board and and regroup and, and come back with something that that is meaningful for uh, for the fans and the folks out there. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways for me from the Cerny lecture today was when he was talking about the SSD and even ray tracing. Is that we know last year that they showed a Spider-Man demo to show the advantages of SSD, how they load and rendered the entire city and it was something like only a handful of seconds and something as simple as that had they demonstrated it today would have gone a long way to at least illustrating those advantages and the evolution that the playstation 5 is going to offer over something like the ps4 because it would have given us a visual idea of what he's talking about like when you're just saying all this technical stuff, if you don't have a video demonstration to illustrate the point, it gets it gets lost, especially to the viewing audience today of 600,000 people who, for some reason, thought they were getting a PlayStation 5 reveal. And, I mean, honestly, they sat there for 52 minutes saying, I feel like, you know, it felt like you were back in college or a IT class or, you know, a computer labs class for high school. Yeah. They didn't know what was going on. And I mean, I guess Sony could have adjusted the presentation to be a little more casual or, you know, mass friendly. I think that was a missed opportunity for them. But where I think Microsoft is in clear control and Sony definitely has to become more aggressive going forward, especially after today, because even today, all the conversation for that about one hour period, it was about the PlayStation 5 until Microsoft updates the Xbox Series X website mm -hmm. and they accidentally <laughs> put a release window at the bottom. Instead of just saying holiday, it said Thanksgiving 2020. And all of a sudden, that was the topic everyone was talking about. No yep. one was talking about the SSD or the inferior ter teraflop figure of the PlayStation 5. They were talking about the release date of the Xbox Series X and it, maybe it was a mistake by a Microsoft intern, or maybe it was a calculated 
decision by Microsoft to say, let's get the focus back on us. Because we had it the other day. Sony's going to have it for a couple of hours. Yeah. But we want to be the talk of the town again. Because we know Microsoft is planning a huge E3. Yep. Or E3 presentation, whatever we want to call it today, since E3 is no longer happening. And we still don't know what Sony's future is for future PlayStation 5 announcements. They have not announced the state of play, which I think had they concluded the presentation today by dating or giving at least some sort of idea of when there'll be a state of play or the next time we'll hear about the PlayStation 5 would have gone a long way with fans. It would have given an expectation of, you know, maybe we just have to wait till May and we'll see the system, we'll see the controller, we'll see some game demos, we'll see some trailers, we'll get that excitement back because we know Microsoft is sitting on a loaded weapon of Xbox Series X announcements. We know they're just waiting for June to come around to stop dropping the bombs. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Sony is still in the shed trying to tinker the bomb with some, you know, they have to have their screws and screwdrivers and they're trying to put it together still. Yeah. And I mean, that's just not reassuring. And if Sony's plan was to come out today and reassure their fans that they know what they're doing, they failed. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think the thing that's going to save Sony is, is games and, you know, mm-hmm. Sony has a stronger lineup of games in their portfolio. They have for a long, long time. Microsoft obviously needs to do some work to catch up there. But, you know, if what we saw with with what they kind of were teasing, the next kind of Gears of War with, uh, you know, with the the uh, the Series X enhancements, Halo Infinite, if that's still on, on track to come out this year, um, all of a sudden Microsoft has all the momentum again, both in hardware and software uh, x cloud you know if you get let's say you get three three months of free x cloud when you buy a series x you can play pretty much any any of the games on that list for three months for free then that's that's pretty compelling you know for a a console that's coming out over the christmas or the holiday season where um Mm -hmm. people are going to want to play a lot of games over over the holiday season so i think uh i think you're right i think sony really needs to to come back with with something significant now let me ask you this nate um we haven't talked about backward compatibility yet and that for me that is that is the elephant in the room uh well one of the elephants in the room with with the the the, uh, sony discussion that we saw it was announced today that there would be a hundred ps4 games playable (laughs) at launch and the the goal is to get all four thousand plus games up and running, which I think is achievable. I mean, I think Sony will 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 you know be tr- stay true to their word and get those games to run. But one thing that was very apparent, and a lot of people were confused about this, that this wasn't just a well, you know, last gen was the AMD Jaguar. This is the uh, the new AMD chip. Things are just gonna you know flow on, and things are just gonna work without any any type of emulation layer but that turned out to be untrue and it really just illustrates that when you're talking about getting something to run even though it ran on a previous generation of the same architecture there is a lot of work that needs to go into this stuff this is not just a hey i upgraded my cpu in my pc and i'm still playing the same games that i played you know five years ago because they still work 
that's it th- those things don't apply i mean we're talking about highly customized architectures with differentials in cpu gpu the architecture the the audio um just everything is different you know even though it's the same you know amd you know x86 architecture and it it really just illustrates to me and i've i've always said this that sony and Jim Ryan has has confirmed this numerous times as well that <laughs> Sony doesn't really put as much stock into backward compatibility, nowhere near as much as what Microsoft has. I mean, from uh-huh. from the day that Microsoft were talking about the Xbox 360, they were thinking about how can we play the the OG Xbox games on this system, and that that mindset has never changed. They have dedicated teams that that they spend millions and millions of dollars on research and development on to make games kind of being brought forward to the next generation and i can probably you know say this fairly confidently that even though it's the series x right now there is probably a team right now researching emulation um for the next generation after this i mean microsoft has always been a big proponent of backward compatibility and emulation and it's really not something that sony has put anywhere near as much time money and resources into and this was very apparent about the 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 backward compatibility announcement today which again surprised a lot of us it even surprised me because i just felt like that uh, ps4 would be out of the box backward compatible you know across everything you know you put a ps4 disc in it's essentially just thinks it's a ps4 that that you're putting the disc into anyway and it's going to play that game albeit with you know up res and upscaling and, mm-hmm. and better frame rates and and boost performance and stuff but obviously that's not that's not the case i mean i think sony is is choosing to individually you know, um, tweak these games to make them work. And, um, you know, I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on what you thought about the backward compatibility stuff on, on the Sony side. I was definitely taken aback by the announcement of 100 games at launch, especially since one of the reasoning was is that the PlayStation 5 is too fast for some games. And... It's odd to me that the newest member of the console manufacturer trio, being Microsoft, is the most committed to honoring and respecting their legacy of software. And I, like you, I expected I could just take my copy of Final Fantasy VII Remake, pop it in my PlayStation 5 later this year, and play the game without a problem. And now that may not even be an option, And I also expected at least, at the minimum, PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games to be emulated similar similar to what Microsoft is doing with the original Xbox games on the Xbox One today, where I can put in a disc. If it is part of your digital service, I get the digital copy, you know, all all well. You might, maybe you clean up the visuals a little bit through a similar solution that Microsoft has, like we saw at Ninja Guide, and you didn't have to patch anything. You just got 4K. It upgraded itself just due to the hardware. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a solution similar to that, and instead it seems like it's very much Jim Ryan's Sony, yeah. the man who mocked the idea of playing a PlayStation 1 game where he said, who would want to play that? And that's what today's announcement reflected to me is that 
Sony doesn't seem to care much about their legacy. And a lot of people criticize Nintendo, and rightfully so, with the way they're handling legacy content on the Nintendo Switch, which is limited basically to just the Nintendo Switch online service. There's no virtual console. And it doesn't seem like Sony's going to do any better than that moving into the next gen. And I mean, frankly, Sony didn't do a great job with backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 4. They almost completely ignored it until they started throwing up some PlayStation 2 games on, was it PlayStation Now, and even PlayStation 3 games on that service. But otherwise, it wasn't a focus for them this generation, and it still seems like it's not a focus for them moving forward. Whereas Microsoft is already saying, day one, you have access to, I believe they said, over 500 Xbox family games dating back to the original Xbox, Xbox 360, the Xbox One, and Microsoft is committed to so many different facets of the industry and to their consuming base that they really seem like they're pro-consumer and Sony's just kind of like, well, if you want to play, I mean, I'm almost expecting an executive to say, you want to play PlayStation 4 games? We have a system for that. It's called the (laughs) PlayStation 4. And it blows my mind that Sony, and I'm going to use this term, even and it's probably going to piss some people off. To me, this is the Sony of the PlayStation 3 era, also known as arrogant Sony. They, they're feeling their stride. They thought they could do no wrong. And like the PS3 and 360 generation, here comes Microsoft kicking them in the back saying, no, we're here. We're ready to compete. And we're doing a lot better than you think we're going to. And I mean... For Microsoft to be the industry leader for backwards compatibility, yeah, who ever would have thought that? Yep, it's it, hopefully you, Sony adapts. You bring up some good points, and look, I'll be the first one to admit that I, I felt like Microsoft was weak um, this time a year ago, and they were right. I mean, remember this time last year, um, we were waiting for the next Gears of War game. And we hadn't seen anything about it. You know, we'd, we'd heard it was coming. And then I think State of Decay was coming out or something. I mean, they didn't really have anything <laughs> on the horizon that was was really anything that was compelling to anyone. And then, man, since then, they have, they have just been slam dunking. Everything that they've done, they've just worked their way back into a commanding position to really take the next gen and just, you know take it by the scruff of the neck and say you know what we're tired of being number two number three we want to go for number one and really and mean it this time you know the 360 was obviously the last time they they had that opportunity to 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 be number one and they were for a long time obviously obviously mm-hmm. um ps3 kind of you know beat them at the end there um you know red ring of death and all that stuff went happened but this time <laughs> around you know they have a clear shot at at really being number one, but I think I think Sony, even though I, I would be feeling a little nervous if I was Sony today, I it all comes back to what games do they have for us? Because if they bring if they bring Horizon Two or they bring a a trailer for the next god of war or if they you know what i'm saying if they bring their their heavy hitter games or not all of them but if they bring they bring um some trailers for what's coming they bring a a new gran turismo game to the table maybe uh you know another infamous game all of a sudden 
that's like you know what it's not about it's not about the hardware it's not about you know um teraflops it's about these games that we've we've you know sold millions of copies for many years that our fans absolutely love and enjoy and we're going to give them a taste of the next generation of all these games that are going to run at 4k 60 and they're going to absolutely blow your mind and we're going to continue to give the fans what they want and that is you know the best games that we can we can develop so i am you know i'm still holding out that that sony will come to the table with some killer games but i do agree with you that there seems to be that that same cycle of arrogance that Sony has after the PS2 just dominated everything. Same thing with the PS4. It absolutely killed the competition. Well, it killed the it killed the Xbox One. And it seems like history is going to repeat itself. I, I hope it doesn't because things are a lot different these days than they were. But we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see, you know man the next couple of months you know the next like six weeks two months three months are going to be some of the most interesting times in video game history i'm very interested to see you know where sony uh comes out of this this gdc thing which ultimately i think probably was something that shouldn't have been you know made public it's something that should have just been sent to whoever was registered for gdc that was going to attend and internal sony people and 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 (laughs) I don't really think this was something that the public really needed to see, and 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 you know media, of course. I mean, they would report on right. on that stuff. But other than that, why why bring this out to the public when yeah. it just you know you gotta you gotta you know if you make a presentation or if you make an announcement, you gotta you gotta know who your your target audience is, and they must have known that the target audience are going to be rabid Sony fanboys that want to know every minute detail about the hardware as well as Xbox, you know, um, fanboys that, that, uh, you know, want to know, well, how far away is the PS4, PS5 from the Xbox series X is it truly a more powerful system. And as soon as they got a whiff of the PS5 wasn't going to be, you know, more powerful, that was it. That's all they needed to hear. You know, no one, no one cared about the, the, the Cerny kind of technical lecture that we got, which I thought was interesting. And I, I, I kind of liked it, but most people just took away from, from that was the Sony PS5 is not even powerful, nowhere near powerful as the series X. And it seems like they have a long way to go. And that's the thing. Like they definitely should not have made the presentation that we saw today public the information is it's valuable it's definitely well worth having out to the public and as far as information but the presentation was made for a very small audience because it was designed with developers in mind it's meant for a gdc briefing of developers and publishers and you know certain media outlets it's not made for joe schmo who buys a playstation 4 to buy madden but saw all the social media hype over the last, you know, 24 hours and decided to tune in because they thought they were going to see trailers of the next, you know, God of War game or whatever. And instead were treated to a lecture from Mark Cerny. And that caused a a ripple in social media of Sony. What the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't blame Sony for it. They marketed it clearly as an architectural briefing by Mark Cerny to talk about the architecture of the PlayStation 5 and how it's going to impact games in the future. It was, I mean, it was the failure of the media and YouTube of hyping the event to be something it was never going to be. 
And like to return to your point about like games, that's definitely that's going to be the selling point. Right now, Microsoft has the edge in terms of power because nobody cares about the SSD speed as far as the casual buyer goes. They don't they don't know what that means. They don't care about the RAM and the memory bandwidth and the I/O throughput. None of that matters. What they see when they go to Microsoft's website for the Series X is 12 teraflops yep. in big, bold letters and Microsoft wording saying the most powerful hardware. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Like This isn't even an Xbox One X situation where, yeah, that was the most powerful piece of hardware on the market, but it came out years later after the Xbox One had already launched. Microsoft could not recover and fix that product line. It was toxic pretty much from day one as soon as they did their initial media briefing where at the time the system had no used games you always had to be online it was toxic from that moment right now the xbox series x there's no toxicity yeah there is no cloud over it pouring rain it is just it's sunshine and rainbows microsoft is just killing it with their marketing and even using hellblade 2 at the video game awards was a good choice. We've already seen a teaser of Halo Infinite. And if the rumors are true and Microsoft comes out at E3 with potentially a new Perfect Dark, a new Fable, a new Forza, they're going to look like the Microsoft of old where they're returning to their roots and they're bringing the games that people have been asking. And we know Sony's going to be there with their pedigree of first-party software. There's no question about it. And the way they're approaching backwards compatibility actually put a thought in my mind where I kind of expected this new generation wouldn't lean so heavily on remastered ports of the previous generation. And I wonder if Sony factored that into the decision-making saying, well, we're going to release The Last of Us Part Two, but if we make that backwards compatible on the PlayStation 5, we can't sell a improved or enhanced version of The Last of Us part two for the playstation 5 because i can just buy the ps4 version pop it in probably get playstation 4 pro type performance which is going to be more than satisfying yeah but now i remove that option for you you have a playstation 5 i'm going to release the enhanced version which version of the game you're going to buy you're going to double dip because mm-hmm. you're going to want those extra features all of a sudden that's correct I, I wonder if that factored into Sony's decision-making in any way. I mean, Jim Ryan, he's a businessman. He's all about the numbers. And when you're crunching numbers, you're looking for ways to, you're looking for profit. And what's a better means of profit than double dipping on the same game? Yep, absolutely agree. Mate, my question is to you, now that we've seen, we've taken, well, we haven't really seen anything from the PS5 camp, but we have have an idea on specs. (laughs) Do you think, you and I have always said that the series x is a 499 system even though a lot of people you know think it's going to be more expensive and up until today i've always said that the ps5 was a 499 system do you think that the ps5 based on what we've seen spec wise again we haven't seen we haven't seen a controller we haven't seen the hardware but based on what we've seen do you think it's still a 499 system or do you think sony is going to try to uh, under under undercut um, Microsoft by like fifty dollars or a hundred dollars or what do you think it's going to ultimately end up being? 
Based on the specs given today, I can see Sony flirting with the idea and exploring the idea of a 399 release and potentially taking a 25 to 50 dollar hit on the hardware in an effort to undercut Microsoft if Microsoft is indeed targeting 499 but right now because Microsoft is as we put in the past they're playing a game of cat and mouse and Microsoft is the cat I think Microsoft is fully aware of what Sony is probably thinking about pricing and if Microsoft is preparing for Sony to maybe try to undercut them at 399 I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft is now thinking to themselves after today's reception of we'll take a $75 hit if we have to mm. and we'll match you at 399 because the one thing Microsoft will not want to give Sony is any type of advantage. Microsoft has the power advantage. They have the more positive word of mouth among casual consumers right now. And if Microsoft matches them at price, Sony does not look strong in any position at that point because it's just going to be hey we're a 399 system that's great it's affordable i hope both you know hit that price just from an affordability standpoint but if you're sony i'm a less powerful system what's my leverage yeah and i think microsoft is aware of that right now i would agree i think for me sony's the smart move for sony is they get ahead of it. They come out and, and proudly announce that the PS5 is a 399 system. Maybe throw Microsoft a little off guard with that because they probably think it's going to be more expensive. And, you know, throw in the uh, the Blue Point game and, you know, we'll say, and, you know, anyone that's listening, I don't know anything. So, you know, don't, don't take this to, to heart or anything. But Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is, you know, the two launch, the big, the two heavy hitter launch games. And that would be enough, you know, um, to, to mm-hmm. rattle Microsoft, I think. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, knock them out or anything like that or hit, hit them with a haymaker, but that would be a, like, that would be a statement to say, you know, we know what we're doing, Microsoft. We, we've, got, we've got this under control. We've got some good games coming up and we've got a cheaper system than you guys. Now, let's, let's see what you guys have. I think, I think that's really the, the play that I would see Sony try to make, you know, if, if they want to come yeah. out with a power move. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think I think Sony's plan is definitely to try to come out at like after seeing the specs today, they definitely want to come out lower than Microsoft. It's just a matter of if they can. And I do believe Microsoft is aware of what Sony is going to try. I mean, based on the specs, I still see Microsoft probably thinking four ninety nine for the Series X. And I think that would still be a good value based yeah. on what we've seen of the system. And I mean, three ninety nine would be an excellent value even for the PlayStation Five, but right now Microsoft just hasn't really made that marketing mistake. And I don't know if if Sony came out tomorrow and said PS Five's three ninety nine, I think Microsoft would come out soon after and say we're three ninety nine too. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let them undercut us by a hundred dollars like they did last generation because that was a big reason. Yeah. They got that you know huge sales edge on us early on and i mean microsoft just seems to be rectifying every basic basic mistake they made yeah and the they, they you know they have x cloud so they can they can like supplement you know 
a cheaper price yes. with xCloud subs. They've got a lot more leverage. They've got a lot more you know maneuverability there. Um, so that's definitely something that Microsoft could, could easily come back and say, we're just gonna we're gonna match whatever you guys decide to price your system at because we'll just um, you know we'll, we'll set everyone up with xCloud and we'll, we'll recoup our money that way. And I think that's that's definitely something that they have up their sleeve. Right now, if I just remove the whole, you know, competitive marketing aspect of it, then I would still say, you know, four ninety nine Series X, three ninety nine to four forty nine for the PlayStation Five. Just, you know, that's just removing any competition. If we lived in a vacuum and just had to price these systems without, you know, Microsoft and Sony just glaring at each other across the table, saying, "What are you thinking?" So, I'm curious which company blinks first yeah me too i mean i think microsoft is is going to continue to you know run control the narrative i, I will say that I, I don't see that changing between now and and literally the day that they they launch this thing i think microsoft is going to continue to go first with everything and i think it's the right thing for them to do um which is unfortunate for sony because you know they've always been um that leader in this space where they've done their own thing as well but i i do think that they are a little rattled by by microsoft and they are kind of waiting to see what what they price their system at before they ultimately decide to make a move which i don't think is the right thing to do but i do think it's the way things are going to play out this year yeah absolutely and I guess this will be the last topic we'll touch on. Earlier today, Sony's PR told, let me see if I can find the website. I believe it was Spiel Times. Sony told them that right now, the situation going on in the world mm-hmm. has not yet delayed the launch of the PlayStation 5, which I wouldn't say is too shocking. We've said it numerous times that... Microsoft and Sony have until about May or June before they really have any concern about next-gen launch plans because that's around the time you would ramp up manufacturing and really begin to see how many units you can produce a month. But right now, it doesn't seem like Sony has any concern or fear about needing to delay the PlayStation 5 into 2021. And we had the Microsoft leak or whatever you want to call it on their website saying Thanksgiving. So as of right now, both systems are on track for 2020. Do you think one of these two could potentially get delayed? Or do you think we'll see staggered releases in certain regions? Like Europe and Japan aren't particularly strong markets for Microsoft. So they would probably focus primarily on North America for their November launch. Whereas Sony, Sony's kind of lost the Japanese market to Nintendo because Japan has moved over to the portable gaming world. So if you're Sony, do you still try to launch worldwide? Or do you say if we only can produce, we'll say 3 million units by November, do you just launch in North America? Or do you say, let's wait until spring and do a worldwide launch in all three major regions? I think I think the PS5 gets pushed. Um, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times in in previous discussions we've had and on the Spawncast. But I do think that the PlayStation Five 
will push out. I don't think it's going to push out much, but it may go to go to go to spring next year, which you know I mean, it's going to hurt them, but it's not something that they can't recover from, given you know the the millions and millions of or hundred hundred million systems they sold you know with the PS4, but it will definitely put them behind the eight ball. But I do think it's something that they can afford to take a little bit of a hit on, because I think they confidently do think that they can make up those numbers and then overtake Microsoft um, you know, at some point. I say that it's going to be delayed because it just, for me, it seems like this is a perfect storm with with everything that's happening around the world right now, with what we've, what we've seen so far from the Sony camp or what we haven't seen from the Sony camp and we're, what, almost into April, you know, we're in the second week of March, it's hard for me to imagine that we're going to see a system launch at the end of this year during the holiday season. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, we can only go on the information that's been given to us at this point, And the information is, you know, 2020 holiday. So we'll definitely see what, what comes out of that. Do I think they're going to stagger the, the launch and have, say, 3 million units available on day one and then a you know, a shortage and then they bring in more systems. I think that's very dangerous in 2020, Nate. I think that, you know, for people that don't get their hands on one, it's it's really going to be something that they may not realize, you know, they, they may just turn around and say, you know, I don't really think I wanted this anyway. The PS4 is a more than capable system for me and it's going to continue to be for the next two years. Why do I really need a PS5? So it's not really the same thing as like when the Wii came out where there were shortages because before the <laughs> Wii was the GameCube and no one bought a GameCube, but everyone wanted a Wii. Very, very different circumstances. You know, the 360 was was the same. They had a, um, I guess, a schedule launch around the world. And as someone who lived in Australia at the time, I had to wait three months for a a system before, um, you know, when the PAL versions came out. And I I just imported one from overseas because I couldn't wait that long. But, you know, things are different these days. You know, we we, we live in an age where, you know, there has to be a compelling reason to upgrade to a new console. Like you said, people don't care about fast SSDs other than people like us because we like to geek out about stuff, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) But the average consumer out there isn't going to care about, you know, um, SSDs or, or, you know, the, the next generation or 8K and stuff like that. They just want to play video games. And if, if the PS5 is the new system that plays their video games that they want to play, but it's not something that is available to them, well, guess what? There's there's PS4, you know, cross-compatible versions of all the same games that you, you can get on the PS5. So why do I need to upgrade to a PS5? So I think that, you know, with, with those types of reasonings, I think that, you know, it's not going to be a staggered launch. It's, it's going to be an all or nothing thing. And I just don't see... And again, I, I don't have any information to go off on except other than my gut right now and what I've seen on online. I just, I just feel like that the PS5 is probably going to push out to to next year. Yeah, I can definitely see that playing out as a reality. My hope is, my hope and belief is that we at least see both platforms release in North America this holiday, and I could see the PlayStation getting pushed to spring for Europe and Japan and Microsoft just kind of does their rollout in those regions whenever they see fit because they really don't focus on those regions at all. Yeah. But we definitely have a lot to look forward to in the next six six to eight months as we find out more information. I mean, today was a 
Sony gave us an appetizer to an appetizer today. Microsoft just continues to treat us with sweet desserts and we're still <laughs> waiting for that main entree to come in. Right. And I mean, I think my takeaway from today was how distinctly different the messaging from Microsoft and Sony has been regarding their next gen systems. Like we saw Sony come in today where they were, it was development focused. It was a deep dive. There was a lot of detail where no one watching really understood what was happening. Whereas Microsoft is handing off such information to outlets like Digital Foundry so they can make videos and write articles that explain all of that in layman terms, but it's enough to get people interested. And I mean, Microsoft was smart to use the Game Awards as the launch pad for the Series X because it's a consumer affair. It reached out directly to those people who would be buying their system. And we're still waiting for Sony to do that. And I mean, it's going to come. I mean, to, and just to make it clear, because I'm sure people think we probably bashed or hated on Sony a lot over this, you know, the past hour or so. We both think the PlayStation 5 is going to be an outstanding system. It's going to have great games. We're just talking about the perception of the marketing point that Sony has had up to now. Yeah. They just, they're just not flowing well they seem off their game for some reason whereas microsoft is strutting down the street and everyone is aware of it they can tell they're confident and sony sony's that nerdy kid in class trying to give a presentation and he's you know they're shaking and they're nervous and microsoft is the jock standing next to them delivering in just delivering an awesome presentation and you can tell it's it's not lack of confidence in Sony to deliver. It's just Sony doesn't seem confident in their delivery and product at this point. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. And I guess my final word on on, on this is you don't you don't agree with me, but the console wars are back, baby. I mean, this is this is console war one hundred and one right here. This is this is trench warfare, and Microsoft is absolutely demolishing Sony right now. And hopefully, Sony can can run some offense themselves and 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 get back where they need to be. The console wars are over. <laughs> that that is a video for another day. <laughs> Once we get some real solid information from sony with their software and even from microsoft then we can touch on that and the console wars and whether or not they are over but until next time that is all we have for this episode of nate the hate you can find mvg's channel description channel link in the description below be sure to give the video a like if you enjoyed this content give it a dislike if you did not let us know your thoughts on the playstation 5 in the comment section below and whether or not you like sony's presentation and until next time, continue to embrace the hate.